Today, again, we are in week 10, um, starting Romans chapter 6, and I'm bringing a message called No More Dead Living. Last week, we talked about how the law does not define presence, that we have got to start seeking him since we have been made right to approach the courts of heaven. The Lord has made us right. He has made us worthy. We could not have attained righteousness by getting the law right. The law had one purpose, to point out how much we needed grace, to point out how much we needed someone to step in and make us right. The law was to show us, look how filthy you are and how much you need someone to make you clean. That's the point of the law. And by his mercy, he has redeemed us and made us clean. And because we are made clean by his mercy and by his grace, not by law, we are given access to the most holy place of his presence. We are giving access to the courts of heaven. We're given access to go right into the most holy place of heaven on earth. Not waiting to get to heaven when we die, but understanding that when we died, when Christ died, and we rose when he rose, and if we understand, which is this is what we're talking about today, when we rose with him, then we have an access to a place that we didn't have before. Amen? I've been reading up a lot the past few years about what's going on with a very popular author. He used to be a megachurch pastor, but he walked away from the megachurch, and he has gone to more of a home church model, and um, he's been in actually China for the past few years, um, and he's just, he's just come back to the States, but he's a man by the name of Francis Chan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, um, but he, he's, a, he's an incredible, incredible man. And um, I was watching a part of probably a two-minute snippet of a message, and I thought it was an incredible, incredible illustration. He was preaching in Waco, Texas, and Francis Chan was talking about how he loves to surf. We got any people that love to surf in here? We got one, halfway, one and a half? Okay. Um, I, I can swim, but I can't surf. Uh, I've got no balance whatsoever. I can't ride a bicycle hardly. I can't skate. I've never been able to do the inline rollerblading. That's for weird people. I mean, I know everyone, everyone can do it but me, so everyone else is weird. I just, I, I can barely walk without getting off balance. I just, I don't have balance. Um, you know, I can sit down and play keys, but that's about it. Um, but Francis Chan loves to surf. And he loves to go to, um, you know, the coast and get on the beach and, and, and get out there in the water and, and watch the waves. And he talked about, you know, when you surf, what do you do? You get out on your board and you go out in the ocean and you sit and you do what? You wait. And you watch and you wait for the perfect what? The perfect wave. And sometimes the perfect wave comes. And when that wave comes, you go out and you ride the wave, and you ride it, and you ride it, and you ride it until it's done. Well, in Waco, Texas, obviously, you don't go out to the ocean to find a wave because you're in Texas, right? But in Waco, Texas, they had this place where there was a wave pool, much like at water parks. And people would go to this wave pool, and, 
at this wave pool, um, they would, every so often, there was a wave that was created. And it was the same wave every time because it was a machine that created a wave. And you would catch the wave, and you'd ride the wave, and you would catch the wave, and you would ride the wave. And it was fun, and people loved to do it. And it was the same wave every time. And it was a good time. Uh, has anyone ever done that? I've never ridden a wave on a surfboard, uh, but I have been to water parks where, you know, you're in the pool, and when the wave comes, you swim and you halfway drown. I, I've done that, right? But what Francis Chan was talking about was how many people love to get in the wave pool and ride the same wave over and over and over and over, and you're guaranteed the, the start of the wave, and the wave comes up, and the wave goes down, and the wave starts, and the wave stops. But it's a form of a wave that's not authentic. It's something made by man. It's not like going out in the ocean and just sitting and seeking out the real thing. And he talked about how that's much like how the church has operated. Because you can have a people that are seeking out where we're sitting and waiting and searching out God. And when the Holy Spirit comes or when God shows up, then we catch where he's going and we go on that ride. And maybe sometimes we come together and a huge display of his glory happens. And maybe sometimes it don't. Or we can manufacture the wave called the, the modern day church and we love the wave. We have a countdown and we start with a fast song and then it gets to an intimate time of, you know, communion and tithe and offering, you know, and then we get into a message and then sometimes there's an altar call. It's a good wave and you expect the wave. But to some degree, whether or not we like it or not, it is some form of a manufactured wave. You know, some churches preach on the same thing at certain times of the year. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's just their form of a manufactured type of, hey, we know what to expect. We want to hit on these things because they're important. It's just what we do. I used to do that sort of thing. You know, back in October, I would do a series that was kind of a spooky kind of series. I would do a series called Haunted, and we would do, we'd talk about the Holy Spirit. Or I did a series one year called Masquerade, and I would talk about hiding behind masks. You know, like, I, I, I was in that vein, right? Or, you know, tax season comes around. I did a series called Dollars and Cents. And I was crafty in S-E-N-S-E because -S -E, that makes sense to tithe. You know, you, know, you, you, know, you do these, man, you, yeah, I, I know it was lame. You, you, do the, you do these manufactured forms of waves. And I don't know about you, but I'm just getting tired of coming to a manufactured wave pool. I want to get to a place where the people of God are coming together and we're satisfied of just getting in the presence of God and waiting for him to take us where he wants to take us. And sometimes it's a Hawaii type of wave, and sometimes it might be a 
Tybee Island type of wave. <laughs> but either way, we're okay with just sitting and seeking. Amen? And I'm just going to be honest with you, that's one part of getting all together on Saturdays during the summer because we need to be prepared because in both the wave pool and the wave, you bring a what? A surfboard. You got to have the boards. You got to have everything ready to ride the wave. You got to have people in position. You got to have, you know, the, the, the teams ready. You got to have the people ready to receive this and receive that and go here and go there. But to manufacture the flow, maybe we've got to get out of that. And I think if we're going to figure out how to do it, what better way to figure out how to do it than do it all together? And in going from that, Paul was talking about seeking out the presence. Well, after he talks about seeking out the presence of God and really going after who he is, he ends on these last two verses to really set up chapter 6. And these last two verses of Romans chapter 5, just to give you a, a brief a reminder, he says this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Thanks, God. But, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Law was given to show us how filthy we are with sin, but it also shows us the need for grace, right? He says law was given to show us how filthy you are, not a way for you to do everything right to get clean. It was showing you how messed up you are to make you aware of your need for something to make you clean and not filthy. The law was never designed to make you clean. It was to reveal your dirtiness. And then Paul starts off Romans chapter 6 posing a question that some, if not all, have thought about. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And we're laughing about that, but I really believe that's probably the conscious mind of most believers in the United States of America. Well, God has covered me with grace, so let me live a life to give him some job insurance. Let me keep sinning to make grace worth it. Paul wants to make sure no one implies that it doesn't matter what kind of life you live because that's what the Christian idea has become. Live like you want because grace covers you. Grace did not buy you a way to live like you want because Jesus is your prostitute. Well, Jesus bought me out of sin and grace makes a way for me to do what I want to do. Thank you, Lord. That's not what grace did. Grace gave you a way to enter in even though you were never worthy enough to do it. 
And there were even some in the ancient world and probably today that actually believed we should live in sin without restraint so that we can repent. Like there were some that actually believed, let me sin it up so I have a need to come to an altar. Like there were some that actually believed, let me sin so I have a reason to come to repent of my sins. Right? It's kind of like the, the, the idea of, of, of the Catholic religion. Like, sin all you want so that you can come to confessional. And we love to harp on Catholicism, but let's talk about Christian, the Christian church. There's nothing wrong with an altar call, but the altar call is simply has become another form of confessional. Let me sin all I want so that I can come and another sinner can lay their hands on me so I can feel better about my sinful life. When the altar call really should be about let me come get free some things so I never walk in that thing again. But it's become I've sinned in the same thing again. Let me repent so I can do it all again and repent again so I can do it all again and repent again. That is not what grace did for you. Grace made a way for you to be made worthy to enter into the presence of God. And when you are entering into the presence of God, things cannot stay attached to you. Because when you enter into the presence of God that is, that is very commonly referred to as fire, stuff gets burnt up. And it cannot stay a part of you. And you cannot tell me that you have a lifestyle of entering into presence dealing with the same sins you did the day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. At some point, something has to change. That is not legalism. That is not religion. Religion is do what you want and use the altar call as the do what you want. That is religion. Freedom is you never have to be bound by your lifestyle. And whether you go to that extreme or not, a question is posed, does grace make a way for us to play it safe? If we say I believe, does grace make a way for me to live like I want? And on the other end of that, people can also get the idea that grace is dangerous and that's why we teach law and emphasize the law. Make sure you get everything right because you don't want to sin. So you have these polar opposite theologies. You have this theology that grace covers your sin. So sin, 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 sin because you have grace, 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 grace. And then you have this theology of you better get everything right because you don't want to sin. Right? You have these total opposite theologies, and Paul has explained over and over again, law doesn't save you. So he starts this passage off, should we live in a lifestyle of sin so that God can show out his grace? So he answers it in verse 2. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? If you've died to something, how can you still live in it? Paul establishes a very important principle. Grace is the ability to die to something that you could not have died to. 
Grace makes a way for you to be born again and live in a new way. Dead to a nature that had a hold over you. Grace makes a way for you to die to a nature, a natural, that had a hold over you. Because when you are born into this world, you are born into what we call iniquity. The word iniquity means you are bent or twisted towards something. You are born twisted up. You are born bent toward a sin. You are born bent toward going against God. Going against the nature that God intended you to do. That's why the first thing you got to teach a baby is no. That's why the first thing a baby does is, is whine. It has a natural thing to go against what should be. People have always asked me, can you be born gay? Y'all want to talk about it? I believe that everyone can be born bent toward something because of generational curses or something in the bloodline. That's why we have to be, break generational curses. Some people, babies can be born addicted to drugs. You can be born bent toward something. If there is homosexuality in the bloodline, you might not be born gay, but you're born with a natural bend toward the lifestyle. But when you're reborn into Christ, everything that was bent, and now you can choose to walk in what you were bent toward, or walk in a life that is no longer bent toward anything but posture before the Almighty. Amen. Does this make sense? Yeah. Once you were dead, Ephesians 2.1, because of your disobedience and many sins. Before Christ, you were dead because of sin. After Christ, through the grace of Him made available to you, you are dead to the thing that was once the cause of your death. Grace allows you to be dead to the thing that caused you to have a death sentence. And if we are graced to be made new in Christ or born again in Him, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, then we can no longer live in a thing that is no longer the life giver. We can no longer find life in dead things. And many people still try to find life in dead living. It's not about getting yourself right. It's about living in a new life that grace got for you, no longer living in your dead place. The title, No More Dead Living. Grace made a way for you to live in a new place. No longer in the bent toward places of your nature that was destined for death. Your bent nature. 
your nature that was in iniquity. He was beaten for your transgressions. His blood was shed for your iniquities. A transgression is the result of an iniquity. Y'all okay? Let me explain that. Transgression, result of iniquity. I'm bent toward easily being offended. And my transgression is when I hit my wife because of my iniquity of easily offense. So he's beaten for what you do. And there's an internal thing of why you did it. Y'all hearing this? He takes care of both things. What you did and the root of why you did it. And he says, no more dead living means if you are truly redeemed by the blood of the lamb, you have no more reason to do Things that come out of dead places. Because I have redeemed you from dead living. You are no longer bent toward a transgression from an iniquity because you are no longer bound by iniquity. You choose whether to live dead or choose to live in a new life resurrected from a dead place. Okay. And many people still try to find life in those dead places. Romans 6, 3. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? See, we love to talk about how we're joined with him in resurrection, but we don't like to talk about being joined with him in death. And this is one of those scriptures where, again, the whole point of this book of Romans is trying to get toward what really God's talking about. This is one of those scriptures that people like to take one scripture and make a whole belief system out of it. And one thing people have always asked me, do you believe that you have to get baptized to be saved? And they're always talking about one thing. They're talking about a baptism tank that men made. They ask the same thing. Do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? Let me give you the short answer. No. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you why. Baptism comes from a Greek word that means to be immersed or overwhelmed in something. Okay? To be baptized in water means you are immersed or overwhelmed in water. You are showing the world that you have been immersed or overwhelmed in something and the water is a symbol of what that something is. It is a testimony about something that has already gone on. It has nothing to do with your salvation it is a testimony to something that has already occurred. 
when you're baptized in water, you're immersed or covered or overwhelmed in water. When, you're, when Jesus was baptized in the river and the dove ascended, people always use that as the way of saying you have to be baptized. Let me tell you what that was. That was a confirmation to witnesses. That wasn't when it happened. You think the Holy Spirit wouldn't lead Jesus when he was 12 years old, tell him 40 years old they were wrong? You think the Holy Spirit wasn't with Jesus? Do you remember who conceived him with Mary? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, I went there. I'm sorry, y'all. Baptized in Holy Spirit. You're immersed or covered or overwhelmed with Holy Spirit. You're baptized in suffering. You're immersed, covered, overwhelmed in suffering. Y'all okay? When you're baptized in Christ Jesus, you're immersed, covered, overwhelmed in his burial and his resurrection. You have been immersed in dying to things and resurrected to a new life. Verse 4. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You can be dumped in water all day long and not understand what has truly gone on when you put your belief in who he is. There is a power that has allowed you to be immersed in the one, to be immersed and unified in what he did. Jesus conquered sin, and a new way and a new life has been made available to you. So when you claim to be of him, all of the sin that has immersed your life no longer has power over you. Because the sin nature has been immersed and covered in the grave. And when you realize that you've chosen him, if your sin nature has been covered in the grave, then a new nature has been resurrected out of the grave. You are entering into a new nature, which means you are in a new immersion, a new baptism in a new nature. So now that you are immersed in a new nature, you choose to walk in your new nature or your old nature that is unified with him in the grave. New immersion, a life that is not led by desires rooted in dead things. You cannot die and rise again without it changing your life. Impossible. That's why we see in Peter and many of the New Testament, it talks about how do you see if someone is a believer. And it always talks about life change. But the church has preached a false gospel of as long as you believe, you're good. No. 
As long as you said the sinner's prayer, you're good. No. First of all, there is no such thing as a sinner's prayer. It's not in the Bible. It's something that man made up to make it easier for you when the Lord said this way is not easy. It is a life of suffering. It is a life of I'm dead to my old self and living in a new nature. That is why I say it every week almost, but that is why Jesus says many will call on my name and I will say to you, I never knew you. I could care less if you call the name of Jesus. Plenty of people who don't believe in him say it all the time, Jesus. You hear it all the time in the streets, Jesus Christ. You hear it all the time. Christians, Jesus, Jesus help me, Jesus help me. And they don't know who he is and you can tell it because there ain't nothing about them that proclaims his name. Because you cannot resurrect and nothing happened. Something has had to have changed. Because when you are immersed in him, you are buried and you're resurrected. That doesn't mean everything has changed. But what has changed is that there is something in you that is either lining up with the old man or a new man. Something happens when you immerse in the truth of a life that can no longer be ruled by a dead thing. Your mind has to come into agreement with a new nature that is unfamiliar to you or an old nature that you know very well. But the old nature loved dead stuff. Verse 5. Is this making sense? Since we have been unified with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Unified in his death. See, we love the idea of freedom from death, but we don't like the idea of being unified in it. We love the idea of resurrection, but what about the power of being unified in death? Think about it. Sin no longer has a hold on me. That means that some of the things that I come into agreement with are dead. You know what dead means? No power. You know what dead means? They have no life. You know what dead means? They don't matter. So there are parts of me that are dead. Thank God. Because if I realize there are parts of my desires and my wants and my flesh that are dead, it's not a battle to simply say, no more. Because dead things have no power. Dead things cannot influence me anymore. I will leave you in the grave, and I will walk in my new nature. Philippians 3, 10 through 11. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings, 
and become like him in his death. Only then I'll be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. You can only experience the complete oneness of resurrection when you understand the unity of you in his death. To be one with him in suffering means we have to suffer in some things. The things your flesh and your mind want, you'll have to deny them. And they will make you feel like you are missing out. And they will make you feel like you are suffering. But the more you unify in dying to those cravings, the more you, you, the more you resurrect into your new nature. But you cannot resurrect in your new nature if you're still living in your dead one. And the only way to get out of your dead one is to suffer the cravings that your dead self loves. So let's just get real about it. Your dead nature loves things that Christ does not. There's a reason that Jesus says, be renewed by the, transform, by, by the transforming of your mind, renewing of your mind, and I will save your soul, but your flesh, I'm just going to give you a new one. Your flesh ain't getting saved. He says it very clearly. When I put the, the new earth, when I, when I destroy it, put the new Jerusalem on the new earth, I'm putting your spirit and your soul in a new body. So this thing that loves all the dead stuff, he said, I can't fix that. That means your flesh will always want your dead nature. There is a reason that your flesh loves pornography. Is that okay we talk about this in church? Your flesh will love pornography. And at first, if you deny your flesh pornography, you're going to suffer and you're going to want. And Jesus says, unify in suffering so that you can get out of that grave. So that you can start to resurrect into a new nature that does not have the craving of what your old self did. Praise God that I can unify in my dead nature and suffer in that so I can start to resurrect. Unify what you used to be bent toward in the dead nature. I have met people who have been delivered out of homosexuality. I have a very close male friend who used to be gay. He is now married and he's got about three or four kids. Trust me, he ain't gay. Man's proven it. How did he do it? He was... Suffering through what he wanted. What did he want? Something that his dead nature wanted through the iniquity of sin. A desire that God never gave him. A man with a man. So the more he unified in death and suffered through it, the new nature 
the redeemed nature started to resurrect. And the more he suffered, the more he resurrected, and now he has a new nature where what he craves looks nothing like what his old nature craved. This is making sense. Complete oneness in resurrection is paired with complete oneness in death. The degree of new life stems from being immersed in dying. So we love the idea of resurrect from the grave, new life, but new life comes from understanding that you have to unify that there are parts of you that are dead. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that a part of me is in the grave. The old man, the old nature. I don't want to go back to that old self anymore. He dead. I'm alive. I'm made new. I'm in Christ. I don't want to see that old thing anymore because the old man was alive. That iniquity convinced me was me. You want to know the issue with most of humanity? We think who we are is what we see. We think who we are is what we become by way of how we were raised. Well, I'm an introvert or I have intimacy issues because you don't know how I was treated by my daddy or by my mama. Can I give you some truth? I don't care. This is going to seem very mean, but hear my heart. Y'all hear me? I don't care how much you were abused. I don't care what you went through. That is not who you are. You need to... You need to put that old nature that was developed by people who did wrong things in the grave and suffer through it so that the real you that you never got to meet can start to get resurrected. Because no more dead living. I'm not going to live as a byproduct of what people did to me. Of what they chose to do. I want to meet the one that Jesus saw before my mother even got pregnant with me. That's who I want to meet. Because that's who God sees. That's who God saw when he said, I want you to do this. I want you to That's who he sees. You know, it's funny. God calls it our new nature, but really that was the original nature. Our new nature is actually the original nature, but it's new to us. Verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Law couldn't do that. Law is unable to deal with the old self. Its purpose was to tell the old self what the right standard was. Grace says, old man can never be reformed. He has to die and he has to be recreated. And God gave us someone who believes a new created self that has a new created nature. And he says, believe in that one and I'll get you out of the old place. Ephesians 4. This is good stuff. Verse 21. 
since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned that truth comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. Throw off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. You don't earn your new nature. You don't find your new nature. You put on the new thing you got as a result of becoming unified in death through the grace of believing in the one who died for you. He says, when you believe in me, I've taken care of the old you. Put on the new thing that I bought. Grace is not live like you want. It's you have the ability to throw off the old and put on the new through no deserving. You haven't attained the rights to put on your new nature, but here it is. Put it on. The reason you can throw off your old sin nature and put on your new nature is that the old self has been crucified and it remains in the grave. And your old nature will never be able to get out of the grave again. So you can choose. Live in chains or live in your new nature that is no longer bound. Put on the new clothes. Put on the new garments. And these new garments, they are clean, they're spotless, they're white, they're pure, they are white as snow. And if you'll put on your new garments, because you look like me, things will start responding to you. Those things that go bump in the night, they won't even want to sit in your house. The only thing they're going to try to do is scare you out of the clothes. But the more you start to walk in your clothes, when, you start, when they start to scare you, you're going to talk to them with a new voice, a new authority. When trials come against you, they're not going to shake you anymore. You're going to start rejoicing. Because those trials shook the one in the grave, but they don't shake the one in the new clothes. Because you know what the new clothes look like? Shields, helmets, swords, belts. It's called the armor of God. Sandals, the rest of it, I don't, everything else. New nat- breastplate, see, y'all know more than me. New nature, new clothes. Things respond to you differently. Well, I need to fix my marriage. I need to fix my friendships. I wish I was better at work. Get out of your old nature. Start walking in your new one, and stuff will respond differently. I know. (laughs) This is good stuff. Verse 8. Only got about 55 more to go. I'm just kidding. Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He'll never die again. 
Amen? Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Now, we hear that sin has no power, but let's say it again. Sin has no power. And if you're made new in Christ, the only thing you should be living for is the glory of God, not the dead power of sin. Look at verse 11. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let you do not let you it doesn't say don't, it doesn't say pray that it doesn't. Lord, I don't know what to do. I just can't get out of the, the chains of my addiction. You do not let sin control the way you live. You do not give in to sinful desires. It has no power. There is reality that if your life has sin, you are letting it control a part of you. And But here's what the church does. God, could you get the, the chains of Satan off of me because the enemy is making me do He has no authority over you. I can't get out of it. Because you are letting yourself live in a dead nature. Because your dead nature was in the chains of sin. Your, the truth is that you've been resurrected into a nature that is no longer bound. So if you're still living under sin, it's because you're allowing yourself to believe that you're still a slave to something that no longer owns you. I just can't get out of this, uh, this thing. Yeah, you can. Well, I've been praying to God for 20 years to get me out of it. He got you out of it about 2,000 years ago. You want to know why your prayers aren't working? Because you were never supposed to pray about it. Hmm? You know, because prayer has always been, is, 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 it has this connotation of asking God to do something on our behalf. Well, what if the prayer is, is just, sometimes we just need to start speaking. I am not bound by that. Speak it. I am not bound by that. I am bound by the resurrection in Christ. I'm a slave to my Lord, not that. Not, God, can you please get me out of it? He's like, how many times you got to ask me that? You're wasting your breath. I've taken care of that. Why are you still asking? It's the same answer every time, every day. I've got you out. I've released you. Let's move on. I've got an assignment for you. God, get me out. I did. I've got an assignment for you. God, get me out. I did. I've got an assignment for you. God, get me out. Put on the new clothes. <laughs> no, no, Jack. God ain't Nike. There. <laughs> <laughs> the, original, the original just to it. Amen. There is an, y'all get back on track. There, there is an, don't y'all love being family? There is an old man crucified in Christ and a new man living in Christ. Your old man is dead. 
I know I keep saying this, but we, we gotta, it's got to become the natural. Your flesh loves to live in dead places where it was an expert. But your new man exists in a new thing. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I'll put my spirit in you so that you'll follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So you realize that nothing in that mentioned your flesh? He said, I'm going to give you all this stuff so that your spirit and your soul will listen to me. So why are you still listening to a flesh that follows different decrees? When two or more agree, there is unity. If I can get your spirit and soul to align with my regulations, your flesh has to follow. It don't stand a chance. I'm not going to get that saved. It's always going to want the dead things. So let me focus on two to get the third to follow. Right? Think about what happened with Jesus. Jesus even prayed, Lord, would you please let this cup pass? Even on the cross, why have you forsaken me? But when his, his mind, his heart, his emotions got in line with who he was, his flesh had to come into agreement, breathe its last breath, and the flesh never stood a chance at that point. And you know what happened when Jesus rose? His flesh followed with him because it was perfection. Because his flesh wasn't conceived by man. But it still had to follow. See, the new you exists in the truth that when you are resurrected in Christ, a new heart and a new spirit was given to you. And that's where you should live. Well, how do I live there? Colossians chapter 3. I'm only six minutes over. We're doing good. Verse 1, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of where? Heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Set your mind in heaven. Not on the earth. Heaven. Heaven. You want to know why people worry so much in America? Because we don't set our eyes and sights in heaven. You know, we set our sights on gas prices. Oh, my gosh. The gas lines broke. I can't get to work. Oh, my God. Set your sights. You know how many times I worried about gas this week? Zero. You know how many times I filled up? About two or three. Even on days when gas stations were closed, I still filled up. Because I don't care what the world tells me. If I need to get somewhere, I actually believe that he will provide. 
I know it's crazy, right? Think about verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> when, when Christ, who is your life, is real to the whole world, you will share in his glory. you got to set your mind in new places, new things, new realities. It says, my new reality is hidden, and I will not accept my conditions as truth. Think about what it says. Your new life is hidden. You can't find a hidden life if you're focusing on obvious things. If you have your mind and your eyes and your heart's affections on the world, you're never going to find your real self in hidden places. Because you're never going to get into a place of seeking. You're going to be worried because you're going to see everything else that's failing, that's begging, that's worrying. He says, the real life, what's my real life? The one being resurrected that you're not fully convinced of yet. Because the easy one to live in is the one in the dead place. He says, I want you to get out of the dead place and resurrect into the new nature that you're not fully convinced of yet. How do I resurrect into that new nature? Set your mind and your sight on places that you can't see. Well, how do I set my mind on places you can't see? Start seeking and finding places that you can't see. How do I do that? Seek, find, pray, get into the presence of God. I don't have time. Because you're setting your sights on the obvious and you're so worried that you're not carving out time for the hidden. And we wonder why the church is worried about what the government's going to do and why churches are closing up and we're going back and forth about what we're going to do because the answer is not obvious. It's hidden. Maybe that's why God has told us for the past two years for relentless to do what? Stay hidden. Thank you. Well, that just don't make sense. Because it's hidden. Can you explain that a little more? No. Well, how am I supposed to figure it out? You got to search it out. Why? It's hidden. Isn't it wonderful how he puts that on you? To He's like, I love you so much, I just want you to find me. Isn't it amazing the effort we'll put into finding our significant others, but not Jesus? Isn't it amazing the effort we'll go into finding a church, but not him? Finding a tax break, but not God. <laughs> Verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Had nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person is an idolater. 
worshiping the things of the world. Because of these sins, the anger of God's coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. You used to do these things when you were still consumed with your dead nature. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. You have stripped off your old nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You choose what you have to do with your new life and your new man or the old life and the old man. And this passage describes the desires of your old man. And if you are coming into agreement with any of these desires at any point of your week, realize that you have just come into an agreement with an old nature that he wants you to resurrect from. And you cannot say, well, that's just who I am. No, that's who you were. I'm sick and tired of believers saying that's just who I am. No, it's who you were. And it's okay to admit that. It's who I was. I'm going to regret that because now people are going to say that to me when I say that's just who I am. But you know, that's called accountability. Iron sharpens iron. You put on your new nature. You don't pray for it. You don't, you put it on. He's already revealed it. What he hasn't revealed is what you start to do once you put on the new nature. What your assignments are when you put on the new nature. That's what's hidden. What's my purpose? Well, if you start to put on your new nature, maybe you'll find it. Because you can't handle the assignment with that old stuff that's supposed to stay in the grave. Verse 13. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve him. You, you don't let. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you are dead, but now you have new life. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for God. See, you can be set free but still living like a prisoner because your mind still lives like a prisoner. Well, how do I get myself out of that prison? you got to use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for God because your body's made up of many parts, eyes, ears, hands, mouth, mind. So you can't give your eyes to sin nature. You can't give your, your ears to sin nature. One of the biggest things that guards Everywhere we go is sound. And I can't tell you how many people that I've met, and I do this time and time still. You ever, you ever like those people who when they get sad, they put on sad songs? They have nothing to do with God? I do it. I'll be transparent. When it's raining and I get sad, I put on those old 90s country songs. <laughs> that I can't relate to, but they just sad. I don't know what it's like to get on your tractor with a, you know, with a, with a Budweiser in the sunset. I don't know what that's like. That's like every country song. Get on your tractor with a beer in the sunset, crying over your wife who left you for another man. I, I can't relate to that. But you know what I'm talking about. You get sad, you put on a sad song. You get angry, you put on Metallica. And it's funny, but we put our ears to dead things. And you wonder why you're still bound up. Or 
You get happy by giving your ears some stuff that don't exalt God. And you wonder why your happiness only lasted but for a few minutes or a few hours. His joy is everlasting. Your happiness is but for a moment. You got to use your whole body as an instrument for him, not for your, your dead nature. Is this good? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. 15. Well then, we're getting to the end. Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? What you choose to obey. How do you choose to obey it? By simply giving yourself to things that you consider innocent. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. It says wholeheartedly obey. Not obey because you have, you have to, but because it flows from a submitted heart. True faith will always result in obedience because you really believe something. Not just because it's a good idea. You're no longer slaves to dead living when you obey teachings as a flow from a submitted heart. You want to obey not because you have to, but because you actually want to. That's why you got to get out of let me do law to get law. No, no, I want to do it because I actually have a desire to. Well, how do you have a desire to? Get out of the old nature and start resurrecting a relationship and you start to fall in love. And when you start to fall in love, you start to want to do things differently. And you learn that from earthly relationships. When you start to fall in love with someone, you'll start to do things you never thought you'd do. Like a man going to dance classes. At least some men. Right? You'll start to do things because you just want to honor the relationship. Right? You want to do things because you just have a heart to be a part of it. That's all Jesus wants. He's like, you'll start to get the doing if you just start to learn who I am. So regardless of what you've changed, just enter in with me. And I'll start to give you the desires of your heart. And the desires of your heart will want to be the things that I've shown you what to do. Because you're no longer in dead living. Verse 18, now you're free from slavery to sin. You've become slaves to righteous living. See, righteousness is now what leads you. You know what slavery is really defined as? You're swallowed up in the will of another. So what are you swallowed up in? The will of your flesh, the will of the enemy, or the will of God? And you'll never get, at, get to a place where you don't sin. Let's make sure we understand that you'll never get to a place where you don't sin. And if you've ever heard that teaching, they're false teachers. And I'll prove it to you. 1 John 1 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in truth. So if anyone in here or has, if anyone's ever heard of a teacher that says you can get to a place where you don't sin, the Bible says they're idiots. <laughs> in some terms. Not literally. Lord, I apologize. <laughs> we'll always have sin. 
but you can get to a point where you're in Jesus, you're never a slave. You're always choosing. The point of all this is that the Lord is showing us, I'm revealing to you when you choose to live in a dead place so that you can choose to get out of it. I've redeemed you. There's going to be a part of you that is always going to want the dead thing. <clears throat> There's going to be a part of you that always desires a dead thing. So let me show you how to choose out of it. Let me show you how to put on a new nature. Let me show you how to be unified in death and unified in resurrection. Let me show you that you don't have to live dead anymore. Do not behave like a slave now that you're set free from slavery. Be overwhelmed in me. And the last verses of Romans 6, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourself to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? Now you're ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. In other words, when you had no obligation to do right, look where it got you. You're ashamed. It says, but now you're free in verse 22 from the power of sin. You become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and it results in eternal life. Amen. For the wages of sin is death. But the free, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want to end with really defining, because we always talk about how eternal life is heaven. And it is. But let, let, let's, let's really talk about eternal life because we talked about how our, our old self is unified in the grave and our new self is unified in the resurrection. He says, every time you've given into your old nature, you've been ashamed of what you had to do. You've been a slave to bondage. You've been a slave to dead things. But if you accept me and start to become resurrected in my ways, you'll have eternal life. In other words, the effect of every decision before was shame. But if you'll walk with me, at the end of every decision is life. Life. Eternal life is that every decision you make, there'll be life. He says, I've given you life and life more abundantly. I'm giving you life, life. You make the decision to serve here, guess what the, 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 the effect is? Life. You, you make the decision to, to, to follow me here, guess what the, the effect is? Life. I'm giving you life before you were ashamed of yourself, before you didn't want to lift your head up. But now, because you are resurrecting out of your old man, everything you do causes life Life, life, life. So man or woman of God, no more dead living. I want eternal life for you. Amen. That's what this is all about. Become unified and get your dead man in the grave so that you can be resurrected into a new nature and receive life more abundantly. Amen. Amen.